The federal government has put together more than $2 trillion in financial aid to counter at least some of the economic damage being done by the coronavirus pandemic. A key component of that massive aid package is a loan program aimed at small businesses across the U.S., money that can be used to pay employees and cover other expenses while they wait to hopefully reopen after the worst of the COVID-19 threat passes. This loan aid, called the Payroll Protection Program, is our theme today, and here to talk about it is Mark Messick, Director of Products at Jack Henry Lending. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Today, we're speaking with Mark Messick, Director of Products at Jack Henry Lending. Mark joins us from Nashville to offer some observations and insights on the federal government's Payroll Protection Program, better known by its acronym PPP. The program is making $350 billion in low-interest loans available for small businesses to try to help them weather the economic storm whipped up by the coronavirus pandemic. Mark, we appreciate you sharing a few minutes with us during this hectic time. Thanks, Terry. Glad to be here. So we heard all about the uh, opening day issues faced by banks, most of it due to a lack of clarity on the rules for the PPP program. We're in a few days now, so are things getting any better on that front? There are certainly still questions that are out there, but not seeing new changes, which certainly helps. There are things that are still undetermined, such as loan forgiveness and some of the other items that are on the Treasury's list. However, because the program runs for about eight weeks, it looks like some of those things will have time uh, to be determined in advance. The SBA submission process, however, is still a bottleneck. There are a number of questions around who does what, when they can get answers, and if that doesn't improve, we may ultimately see wholesale changes to the process. You know, the Payroll Protection Program, the PPP, and and the larger CARES Act that it's part of, they were really put together so quickly. So should we be all that surprised that there were some early snags on that that needed to be worked out? Not really. I mean, ultimately, everyone's heart was in the right place and trying to spin something up quickly. But what Treasury outlined and what the SBA needs to process these loans ended up being very different things. The dependency on the existing SBA approval rails is a problem that could end up appending the old program. So aside from the SBA rails that you that you just mentioned, what else do you see as the big ongoing challenges that banks face in making the PPP loans? What we're seeing are two really major challenges. First, how do banks handle the enormous volume of requests that are already piling up? And then how do they submit them to the SBA when the e-trans system is so clogged up? You know, technology providers like Jack Henry and others can help with the volume as we've stood up online application tools and secure document portals with pipeline management built in. There's also ways to electronically submit and then document the loans. But frankly, the SBA is built to process thousands of applications annually, and now they need to process 30 million in eight weeks. So the math doesn't really work. And what about all the logistics involved? 
For instance, how much of a challenge is it for banks that their lending teams are working from isolation on their couch or at their dining room table instead of face-to-face in the office? The one benefit, I guess, if there is one from lockdown starting much earlier in this process is that banks had already pivoted to processes that would enable them to, to handle loan volume. However, the volumes associated with PPP really require hosted solutions as opposed to, say, the bank's VPN network. If banks haven't invested in something yet, they probably need to very quickly. The PPP structure is that of a land rush. Uh, you mentioned that before. You mentioned all of the applications that are piling up. And, and certainly the urgency requires that the loan aid be distributed quickly. But doesn't the first-come, first-served format add more stress to an already stressful situation, both for the small businesses and for the banks involved? Absolutely. And honestly, the fear-mongering about the money running out is counterproductive. I mean, we have a pro-business White House. It's an election year. And they've essentially offered a stimulus check to every business owner. We have every reason to believe Congress will earmark as much money as necessary to satisfy every qualified applicant. But here's something else to think about. Having as many people employed as possible is the only way out of this mess. The lowest unemployment ever resulted in the greatest stock market ever. If we can keep people employed, and that's the strategy right now, we have a better shot at a quicker recovery when we all come out of our houses. When reading the news stories about these first days of PPP, you know, as as things are getting worked out, there's a fair number of small business stories that go something like this. So I tried to apply for PPP at the bank where I keep my business account, and they told me I can't get a loan because I'm not an existing loan customer. This is really aggravating. And when this is all over, I'm going to go shopping for a new bank. So I know that's only anecdotal, but uh, does prioritizing PPP loans for existing loan customers make sense? And how should banks deal with their angry account holders who are afraid they're going to lose out because the money runs out? Well, we've already addressed that it's not likely the money runs out. However, business owners may certainly not feel that way. And the strategy of prioritizing loans uh, for customers over non-customers has pros and cons. Frankly, the banks can only handle so much volume, and I think they're choosing to take care of customers first. There's bound to be some collateral damage from that, but I think they have no choice but to risk it at this point. Those FIs who are leveraging automation, however, will be the big winners here because their open for business sign is essentially free advertising to gather new relationships. Right now, all of the emphasis is on getting the $350 billion distributed to where it's needed, but... Are there potential issues, potential risks that banks need to think about once they have these loans on their books? Probably, but I'm not hearing that concern from the customer base at this point. They feel as long as they've crossed their T's and dotted their I's according to the guidance they've been given, that they'll be in good shape at the end of this. The news also talks about manual processes that are slowing things down. Things like having to call the SBA to confirm certain borrower information, for instance. So how is tech being used in the PPP process, or or how can it be better used to streamline and and expedite applications? There's really two pieces to that. There's a front-end piece and there's a back-end piece. So from a front-end perspective, letting borrowers apply anytime, anywhere, from any device is huge. 
giving them a secure way to provide their documents instead of emailing them or dropping them off at a branch is also a big deal. Uh, but they also need the ability to manage their pipeline. And banks should be wary of technology providers who only do parts of this. Here's a big one too. Newly approved SBA lenders likely don't have the processes in place nor the expertise to handle these kinds of loans. So they have to have a turnkey way to submit and close the loans as it's essential to their success. Hosted automation solutions really are the answer to these kind of volume problems that they're going to experience from their customer base. Once the emergency financial response to COVID-19 is over and the banks are looking back on how things were done, not just PPP, but overall, what do you think are some of the key lessons that bankers may come away with? They're going to wish that somebody in Washington had listened to them. You know, frankly, had the government given authority to the lenders to verify the key qualifying elements and then let them make the loans without going through the SBA approval process, this would all have been simpler and more people would have money in their account right now. Businesses only have an average of 10 days cash on hand, so most have been closed for that amount of time already. You know, when unemployment's climbing and banks can't get all their applications submitted, I think they're going to wake up and realize that they've got to embrace automation and business lending processes. Something that we have taught them that they are not listening to but need to is that they can marry human resources with technology and improve the relationship lending model. And that's what community banks need to compete with large national banks. We saw a bunch of advancements come out of the mortgage crisis in technology, and we're already seeing the same thing come out of the COVID crisis. Stories of the headaches associated with the PPP rollout have dominated, but I'm wondering if you have a PPP success story or two from the opening days that you could share with us to maybe balance things out a little bit. You know, I don't know if it's the American element or the human element, but there are some fantastic things happening. There are banks who don't have the ability to make these loans, and through our lending network, we've been able to connect their borrowers with banks that help them get the PPP money they need. Their customers are responding back that they're so appreciative of their hometown bank for doing something like that. Additionally, we've had an enormous number of folks in the loan ops as well as bank executive level tell us how automation is keeping them afloat while they try to balance work and home life in this trying time. Everybody's working around the clock. Everybody understands the urgency. But out of that, we're seeing some really neat things happen. Those are nice stories. And it's uh, good to know that it's been a successful process for at least some of the small businesses that really need a hand right now. Mark Messick, Director of Products at Jack Henry Lending. Thanks again for being with us on the Banking Strategies Podcast. Thanks for having me, Terry. Three takeaways from today's podcast with Mark Messick of Jack Henry Lending. First is the land rush format for the payroll protection program, which added another element of stress into a situation where stress levels were already running high. Banks have been overwhelmed with applications, and small businesses in dire need of cash are worried that the federal money is going to run out before their number's called. The loan program is a work in progress, so there may be some tweaks to help it run more smoothly, and Congress is already working on allocating more money, which may help needy small businesses breathe a little easier while they wait their turn. Another frustration for some small businesses is that their banks have been prioritizing applications from customers with whom they already have a lending relationship. For these small businesses lower on the priority list, they feel like they're being penalized for not carrying debt. 
It's an understandable feeling, but we also need to consider the huge volume of PPP applications. The numbers are so high that banks need to look for any efficiencies they can find to get loans out the door as quickly as possible. And assuming that Congress acts fast to approve more PPP money, this prioritizing may be less of an aggravation than it was at first. And finally, lessons to be learned from this crisis. For community banks and perhaps for other financial institutions as well, one of the lessons from COVID-19 may be that there are advantages to automating more processes, that this may position them to both better withstand major disruptions and to compete more effectively against larger banks. And if history is a guide, there may be broader lessons as well. The financial crisis more than a decade ago was a catalyst for advances in data analytics, AI, and machine learning, all of which underlie much of fintech's explosive growth in recent years. So we're keen to see what new advances, tech or otherwise, this crisis may bring. We appreciate you joining us for the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. And until next time, stay healthy and safe.